For thousands of years in Victoria's central goldfields region, the Jajawarung people have sustained themselves and the land through their knowledge of local plants, animals, seasons, fire and geology, a knowledge passed down the centuries through stories, lore and language. I would like to pay my respects to Jajawarung elders and any other Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander person listening to this podcast. This is Weekend Birda, and my name is Kirsty Costa. This week, I took a moment to reflect on season two so far, and friends, it's been a jolly good time. Guests have told us about birdwatching and mental health, how ecosystems work, birding in urban areas, the cool events happening around Australia, and we've learnt about so many different species of birds. I don't know about you, but I've been using some of this borrowed knowledge and skills in my daily life. Just this morning, I was able to quickly identify a brown thornbill thanks to Ricky Coughlin in episode 58. In this episode, I'm thrilled that we get to welcome back to the pod artist and author Bridget Farmer. You might remember Bridget from episode 26 and her stories about bushbirds. Here's something that Bridget has done since we last heard from her. Well, friends of ours had always suggested that I visited Malakuta. They always said there was such amazing birds there and that the kids would love the beaches and everything. It was exactly what they said it would be. It was amazing, all the beaches and all the birds, of course. There was one day in particular, I remember, I brought my binoculars and we we walked out onto, it was like an estuary and the kids were playing in the lovely little rivers that come and join the big river and I just had my binoculars and I was looking at a commotion going on on the other side of the estuary and there was a, a bird of prey, I think it was some kind of kite and it was circling around and all these turns. Now, I'm not sure, I'm, I'm not very good at differentiating between all the different turns, but they were all getting into a commotion because this, this raptor was flying around above them and they would fly off in a big cloud and try and attack the raptor. Yeah, it was, it was really interesting. And it was just because I had my binoculars that I could zoom in on it and see what was actually going on. And then I turned the binoculars a little bit over to the right and I could see this speck and I looked really closely and it was so exciting because it was a, an Eastern curlew. And it was just, it was there all by itself, that little speck, and it was so wonderful to see. And it was just because I had binoculars with me and I was scanning the sands for it. So it's always worth bringing binoculars when you go down to the beach, you never know what you'll see. I'll drop a pin so you can see where Bridget went on her adventure. On the Weekend Better homepage, select places to visit to access the map. It's moments like these that inspire Bridget to write more children's books about Australia's birds. So far, she's written popular books like Kookaburra Kookaburra, The Bushbirds, and now her new book, The Beach Birds. Bridget says that one of the challenges of writing these books is choosing which birds to feature. With each book that I do, I want to try and get it to cover as much of Australia as possible. Unfortunately, poor Western Australia often gets left out because it's, it's very difficult to get birds that are all up the, the East Coast, but then also in Western Australia. So it's quite difficult sometimes to include Western Australia, but each time I try as much as I can. I think of the, the birds that I regularly see at the beach, but then I want some others that are maybe a bit more special. I chose the, the beach stone curlew. It would be a real treat to see one of them, but sometimes I want to include 
a quest in the book, you know, this is a special bird, go out and see if you can find it. And if you find it, it'll, it'll make your day. Of course, I had to do lots of research in terms of going to the beach. I joined a, a Facebook, I think it was a woman's birder group on Facebook. And that was great. And I put the question out, if you were to choose 12 beach birds, which ones would you include? Which ones do you feel have to be included in a book? Why did I choose the beach birds as a, as a subject? Well, I kind of think Australia is so much about its beaches. You know, we all love a beach holiday. And I thought I'd make a, a book that you can take with you to your beach holiday. You're in amongst the exploring in the rock pools and making sandcastles. You can also bring your binoculars and try and spot some of the birds that are in my book. In this episode, Bridget is going to share with us what she has learnt whilst researching the Beach Birds book. This topic has also been requested by Weekend Birder listeners Belinda, Michael, Miranda, Lauren and Pete. Let's start with the Eastern Curlew, which Bridget spoke about before. It's the largest wader bird here in Australia. It's mottled brown and it's got the most extraordinary long beak, which it digs in the sand for, for food. I went on a quest to find this bird. So on one of my beach research trips, I went to Phillip Island. And this was before seeing them in Malacuda. I specifically went to Phillip Island because I had heard that there are eastern curlews there. I went out on this walk. I had, I had my backpack, my binoculars, my sketchbook, everything. And I went on this beautiful walk all along Rill Inlet. It was stunning, boardwalks and everything. It was, it was gorgeous didn't find any eastern curlews. And while I was there, I met one of the park rangers and I asked him, where, where would I find eastern curlews? And so he told me that if I drive to this, this road that had a beach on it above Rill Harbour and I walked out along this beach, it sort of goes out onto a big sort of sandy spit. And I felt so adventurous. It was wonderful. I had my backpack. There was no one else in sight. I just felt like I was such an explorer. <laughs> Along the way, I saw lots of tiny little birds scurrying around. And I took photos of them. And often I take photos of the birds so that when I get back home, I can zoom in on the photos and identify them then. I don't always, I'm not always able to identify them at the time, but having a camera can really help with the identifying later. The tide was out and um, there were a whole lot of birds who were just sort of sitting in the midday sun, just waiting for the tide to come back in. And I got my camera. I could see a few birds out in the distance. They got spooked by me. Three of them took off and I click, 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 clicked away of my camera. I was like, oh, what, were they? Were they Eastern Curlews? Were they? I don't know. Were they? I zoomed in on the picture. Oh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I uh, downloaded the photo. I sent it to this Facebook group. There's a great Facebook group, Australian Native Bird ID. You put your photo up and the experts out there within seconds come back with, with a, an ID for you. And they were indeed Eastern Curlews. And they were the first ones I'd ever seen. And I was, I was delighted that my, my quest had been a success. The Eastern Curlew is also known as the Far Eastern Curlew. As Bridget said, it is the largest of the world's shorebirds at 63 centimetres. You might hear its distinctive call across the coastal wetlands, estuaries, mangrove swamps, bays and lagoons. Have a listen to this recording by Nigel Jacket. 
When an eastern curlew flies, you'll notice that its wing beats are slow and deliberate. That's because it's a traveller, breeding in Russia and northeastern China, and then flying across the world to escape the harsh winter. About 75% of the global population actually hang out in Australia over summer, along the coast of northeast and south Australia, including Tasmania. And then this bird flies back to the north once more. You can find out more about migratory shorebirds like the eastern curlew in episode 51 with Jeremy Ringmer from BirdLife Australia. From the big to the small, another bird that features in Bridget's book is the hooded plover. In fact, it is featured on the front cover. The hooded plovers, which are small birds, they are black and white and grey. They've got a, a black head. They've got the little red beak with the black tip. And they've got a pinky uh, coloured legs and a red eye. Not to be confused with mast lapwings, which um, a lot of people call plovers. They used to be called spur-winged plovers, so I think that's where the plover part of their nickname comes from. So mast lapwings, they're the ones that uh, make a lot of noise. They nest in your nature strip and uh, try and dive bomb you in spring. They're still beach birds as well. But they're also found in a lot of non-beachy areas. But the hooded plovers are the ones that are endangered in a lot of states in Australia. They're very shy. They nest quite high up on beaches. Their nests are kind of just a, a, a trampled area of the beach. They lay their eggs, which are camouflaged. They often get trodden on by accident because they are so camouflaged. When the chicks hatch, again, they are camouflaged. You often don't notice them. And they feed down in the, the water line. So they have to travel from their nest down the beach to the water's edge to feed. And if there are dogs and people walking in that area, they can get too scared to come down and feed. And so they don't survive, unfortunately. So on a lot of beaches, you have these cordoned off areas, and that's often because of, of nesting plovers. And we must be really careful not to bring our dogs to those areas um, and not to walk along those areas until the chicks have learned to fly and can fend for themselves, just to give them a chance. Hooded plovers don't have many chicks. They have one to three look after those, those few chicks. In her book, Bridget also decided to include one of our beach bird Australian icons, the silver gull. I decided to include silver gulls in the book, even though they're kind of everywhere. They're the small gulls you, you do see often in cities as well, you know, they're trying to steal your chips and stuff, although don't give them chips, then it's not good for them. They've got a, sort of a red beak, red feet, and yeah, silvery grey back. They're often just called seagulls. But it's really nice to know their actual specific name, which is Silver Gull, which is a lovely name, actually. And it's, it's nice to have a bird that you know and recognize and know the name. And you can see everywhere you go. It's like a, a tick, tick. <laughs> I know that one, tick. I can see it. Another type of gull that I have seen in, a, in quite a number of places around Victoria and Tasmania is the Pacific Gull. It's kind of strange that they're called Pacific gulls because they're actually mostly found along the southwest coast of Western Australia, South Australia, Victoria, 
all around Tasmania. And these are the Indian Ocean, the Southern Ocean, the Bass Strait, and Tasman Sea. But they're only occasionally actually found in the Pacific Ocean. They're so much bigger than the silver gull. They have a much darker back, almost black. Their beaks are quite thick. They're yellow with a red tip. It looks like they've sort of dipped the tip of their their beak in a bucket of red paint or something. And it's nice to be able to see the difference. A lot of people see the Pacific gull and they're like, oh, is that an albatross? I've heard that. Is that an albatross? Because it does look so big. I think albatrosses are even, even bigger than the Pacific gull. It's, It's great that people are noticing the difference between the gulls. Also, a lot of seagulls' young are like a mottled brown. So you've got to remember that you may recognize the adult birds. And if there's a, a young bird that is a similar shape and often similar size, because they can be um, this mottled brown for, for a year or two before they fully mature. So looking at the shape and looking at the, the beak shape and just be aware that they can be a different color means they're a an immature bird. There's another gull that is quite similar to the Pacific gull, and that's the kelp gull. That is found further up the eastern coast of Australia, um, right up into southern Queensland. It is similar in that it's large. It's got the black back like the Pacific gull. It does have a larger beak than silver gulls, but not quite as big as the Pacific gull. But it's got a red dot only on the lower beak only on the lower mandible. If you follow Weekend Birder on Instagram or Facebook, you might have seen that I regularly put together Australia Bird ID guides. These are really simple visuals so that you can see what Weekend Birder guests are actually talking about. I'll put an ID together for some of Australia's common gulls and I'll also upload it to the how-to section of the Weekend Birder website. You'll easily see the difference between a Pacific gull and a kelp gull. Bridget is a really talented artist and she explains in episode 26 how she creates her artwork from copper plate printing. She actively goes out and finds birds to take photos of and then heads back to her studio to create the image. I actually find some of the hardest part is getting the, the landscape, the habitat right. When I'm on the beach, I'm taking the photos of the birds and I'm forgetting about their surroundings and stuff. And so that's often quite a difficult part, the context that the bird is in. And I've included a lot more of the landscape in Beach Bird's book than I did in Bush Bird's book. Beaches are so evocative of Australia, and I wanted to really bring that into the book, that this is Australia, and yeah, everyone has their favourite beach, and I wanted to make that happen in people's imagination. Once you start looking, you know when you're down on the beach, the tide's out, The seagulls are in a big flock. They're resting. They're sort of preening. Some of them are standing on one leg. Some of them are lying down. You you just think it's a a flock of seagulls. But if you take a closer look, in amongst the seagulls, there'll be terns. And I find that a wonderful thing to look for when you're down on the beach. Get your binoculars out, scan through the flock of seagulls, and you'll see a few birds in there that don't look like all the others. And their turns, they have sharper beaks, they have pointier wings, they're sometimes a bit shorter, they've, they've got shorter legs, they've maybe got longer bodies. Sometimes they've got like a, a black cap on their heads and maybe it's a, a yellow beak instead of the red beak. Just look out for that because when you start looking, you'll, you'll, you'll notice 
you, you realize, oh, they're not all seagulls. There's terns in there as well. I love doing that. I love terns as well. You can find my ID guide to Australia's common terns on Instagram and also in the how-to section of the Weekend Birder website. There are two oyster catcher bird species in Australia, the pied and the sooty. We also occasionally get the South Island pied oyster catcher. (laughs) What a mouthful. Visiting from New Zealand. If you've never seen one before, pause this podcast and do a quick internet search for oyster catchers. They are friggin' delightful. I've always loved oyster catchers. I grew up in Belfast and on Belfast Loch, we had oyster catchers there. They look like the, the, the pied oyster catchers of Australia. I loved their red beaks and their red legs and how you'd find them in the, in the waterline, running over shells and, and looking for, for food to eat. And uh, yeah, when I came to Australia, I, I recognized the, the pied oyster catchers immediately. And then I saw the sooty ones, which are all black. They don't have the black and white. They're, they're all black, still with the red beaks and red legs. And yeah, I didn't, I didn't know they existed. So it was nice to see uh, that there were different species of oyster catchers, but they're, they're really striking. They're often just either by themselves or in pairs. You see them sort of lurking around the rocks or yeah, in the surf of the beach. Pied means black and white. So you get that in a lot of birds, like pied currawong is black and white. Pied cormorants, which I've included in the book, the pied oyster catchers, they're black, black and white. And the, the oyster catchers' beaks are, they're kind of, they're, they're straight and they're quite thick compared to some of the other waders, which, which are sort of long and tapering. I read that they've actually got very strong beaks so that they can pry open the, the shellfish to get the food inside. Shout out to my parents, Marilyn and Mark, who also love oyster catchers and always point them out to me when we're birding by the sea. Finishing up our chat, Bridget wants to tell you about her next book. The topic is desert birds and she's already started her research. Recently, I went to Gluepot Reserve in South Australia. It's a BirdLife Australia nature reserve. It's Mali Desert and I went with a friend of mine, Jane Rusden, and another friend, uh, Sheridan Jones, both artists. Jane's really into birds as well. And she knows a lot about these wonderful reserves, all these different places to to go bird watching and drawing in Australia. And we went for about four or five days, camping in the middle of winter, no fires allowed. It rained, it stormed. It was brilliant. I really enjoyed it. It turns out I really like winter camping, even though it's very cold. You've just got to bring a hot water bottle and uh, lots of layers. And yeah, we, we spent the days going out looking uh, for desert birds and uh, drawing and hiding from rainstorms and swishing around in our uh, waterproofs. It's quite an adventure even getting there. You know, it, I think it took us about nine hours to get there seven hours of which was on the you know the normal roads and then the last two hours were on the the dirt tracks trying to to get through i mean my van was not a four-wheel drive and not suitable for dirt corrugated driving that's why it took so long i think most of it at 30 kilometers an hour also stopping taking photos looking at birds you know all of that kind of stuff but it was it was brilliant yeah highly recommend so i'm really looking forward to going on more desert trips for research for the next book. 
I'll also put a pin in the weekend better map so you can see where Glue Pot Reserve is. And I'll put a link to BirdLife Australia's page in the show notes. In the show notes, you'll also find a link to Bridget's website so you can check out her books as well as her games, pins, patches, cards, gift wrap and original etchings. If you are a subscriber to the monthly letter, you will also automatically go into the running to win a copy of the Beach Birds book and card game. The draw is on Thursday, the 29th of February, 2024. Link is in the show notes or visit the Weekend Birder website homepage. Oh, what an episode. I hope you get a chance to get down to the beach soon and see which birds are hanging out there. Even if it's our friends, the silver gulls, you are in for a treat. Speak to you again soon. <laughs>